Hey, Story Show listeners, Jeremy Corey Greenus here. Shane Kepke. And Angie Zola Barker. And we are sharing stories from the January 2020 Story Show, Pass the Plate Story Show. And our next story is uh, from a repeat Story Show storyteller. I think this is Ross's third, and uh, which is. The word is veteran. Veteran, right. And it, it's pretty amazing that we've gotten him three times because I think at least two of those times he's been living in Spain and has been back uh, to, to mm-hmm. share a story with us. So um, this particular story is called Familiar Strangers, and it's about traveling and eating with folks, right? Yeah, the power of food being a connective thing for us as people and sitting down and having a meal and sharing things and it's really powerful having a meal with each other isn't it food is very social oh my gosh like yeah. in our world uh, like if you're part of the linen solar burger starting and family like when you have an event the first thing people ask is like well, what are you serving right i need something to look forward to for the next three weeks so like let me know what that is yeah it's always food related yeah. for sure yeah. And it, food just is really powerful in general. I mean, think about almost all of our favorite memories revolve around some sort of meal or even a holiday. There's often a meal that's attached to it. Whether your family is like super food restrictive or super food abundant or lavish or whatever. I mean, we just did my grandpa's funeral the other day. And what was the thing that we did right after we were all sad? We sat down and ate food together. And guess mm-hmm. what happened at the meal? We all talked about grandpa and we talked about stories and we caught up and it was this little family reunion. And there's some great power in the sitting down and sharing things and reconnecting with people or connecting for the first time as we hear in, in Ross's story. Not to get too historical here, but like, help me out here, guys. But like, is there some sort of like viking thing where like if you sat down and actually ate with someone it was a sign of trust because like you had to use your like weapon hand to like eat and therefore like you couldn't defend yourself so there was like vulnerability in who you actually ate with so the people you chose to like share a meal with meant friendship in general or at least trust this is why the red wedding was such a betrayal (laughs) game of thrones (laughs) (laughs) How we dare went, you marry for love? We went, <laughs> we went fantasy fiction real fast. <laughs> I don't know if any of what you said is true, but it sounds cool. Well, yeah, we'll say it is. Why not? Like having to sit down and be vulnerable because there's the option of someone could be feeding you something that's not safe. or Like it is an act of trust to sit down with someone and eat. Yeah. I mean, to do that is really powerful. And I think, you know, Ross is story and, and just some background here and i want to promote ross's youtube channel it's called ross the flaneur and uh, he'll talk briefly about it um but he's ross loves to travel and he he is a, a actor director writer and um he chronicles his travels and, and has a great youtube um channel where he shares these you know these these trips that he goes on and and his story is about sitting down and and breaking bread with with new friends you know someone who was just a stranger a few minutes ago and um it's it's pretty cool because we do we do connect and and how you react to new foods in a foreign place i think says a lot about you in terms of being open and being willing to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and to try new things and um yeah so we have this rule when we travel that we can't eat at chain 
places because it's you know when you have kids it's really easy to be like oh well we're in nashville we're gonna eat a mcdonald's or we're in florida we're eating mcdonald's because it's is, the it's same quick. standard right yeah. Yeah, but like it's golden arches haunt you. That's twice in a row. I know, I know. So that's why, like, when we started, Are they advertise. <laughs> Do they have commercials? We're loving it. Um, so we just said, like, right when we started traveling last, like, we're not going to eat at like a chain. We have to eat somewhere local, like everywhere we stop. Mm-hmm. So um, at least you get to try like whatever the local stuff was and because food is a huge part of traveling like one it's so cultural and regional and everything about it is really powerful and it's one of the quickest ways to like dive in right Mm -hmm. like in fact when we lived in iowa we lived in this tiny little town like 100 people and in the middle of town was uh Kalmus's, which is a gas station, grocery store, convenience store, restaurant, and a bar. There's a bar in there too. Got to be a bar. And uh, they had the best prime rib. Yeah. And when you went in there, I remember the first few weeks we lived there, we'd go down and have supper, and like the whole restaurant would look at you because you were new and yeah. you didn't know. And like as soon as you got through that part of it, it was the best food, and you got to kind of learn about what happens in that countryside because you saw who was eating and who was having their meetings and everything else. It was really interesting. Albert Lee has a lot of little diners. Mm-hmm. Um, so one year, my mom and I had lunch every week at a different diner for like, we, like I didn't even realize how many there were. Mm-hmm. And so we just hit up all these places, Grandma's, Dinah's, Brego's, uh, Elbow Room, B&B. Sportsman's Grill, like, yeah. And we had a blast. It yeah. was so fun to just and it was all in town. So, like, I highly recommend you go eat at all these places. Find a friend. A little staycation. Yeah. yeah. I love it. That's a really go good Go check idea. out all the fun places. I've got two, <laughs> two friends from college who we, we get together about once a year for kind of like a guy's weekend. Or, and typically, we haven't really talked about it, but our, our get-togethers are always centered on food and drink. And, like... In two weeks, we're getting together to go to a Twins game, and I I really couldn't care much less about baseball, but I love stadium food, and so <laughs> like, I'm like, hey, these these guys are gonna be trapped with me for two and a half hours outside, fun food, sign me up, right? Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, it's, it, food really does bring people together. There's a movement that's been going on for a while now called Secret Suppers, and have you heard about this? No, I want so to. It sounds mysterious. I read a book, and I've seen a couple of them. Um, but you go, you pay usually quite a bit of money, like $100 a plate, but it's usually between 8 and 16 courses, and it's in a secret location, and you're told, like you're emailed the day before where to go, and then you go to the place, and a chef has prepared a meal for your group, which is usually pretty small, like less than 50 Shane, people. This, this sounds a lot like Eyes Wide Shut without the sex. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm in either way. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to put any parameters. No, no, no. There, it is not Eyes Wide Shut necessarily like that. But you show up and you've paid this fee or you paid at the door or whatever, Venmo, I think. And the chefs created something that they want to create rather than being confined by the restaurant that they run or work for where they have the standard menu. They get to create this really seasonal menu. And in, in, in the 
idea of is it that you're eating this really fresh, creative meal, and at the same time, you're doing it with people you don't necessarily know. Maybe you'll know the person that you went with, or you know, a small group of you, but you're at this big, long table all together, and it's this communal event where you strike up and you have this common experience that's well shared. So Wedgwood is, it's not secret, but the new chef out at Wedgwood is doing like once a month chef's tables, and you rent a table of eight, you get like don't quote me on this, but like, you know, multiple courses, like mm-hmm. eight courses, you pay a set amount. It comes with the drink pairings yep. um, and you just pay for a table and bring the people out. And it is not stuff you get on the menu. Why are we not? Why are we not I was just going to say that. Why the, I did not, not know yes. this was happening. Yes. This is a thing that is happening. So eight. So we need another couple. Yeah. Yeah. We can do this. Yeah. yeah. Not a problem. We got this. Oh my gosh. This yeah. sounds so fun. We got to do it. No. Yeah. Have you guys ever done a progressive dinner? Where you like go house to house? My parents did it a few times when I was young, and I yeah. was clueless at the time. But that sounds fun too. Do you know about this? My daughter's a communist, so it feels like I got progressive <laughs> dinner every night. Where like the first the first house hosts appetizers, the next one hosts drinks or something, and then yep. the third one's a main course, and the fourth one's a salad. And the- oh, that's fun. Yeah. So each house hosts a different course of course. the meal, and you just go from house to house to house and. Yeah, share food in your homes and right. Convo that sounds and fun. It's fun. I've done like two of them and they're a blast. I, I just want to so circle fun. back to the Wedgwood thing. We need to do that. <laughs> this is fun and and I think you know all ties back to Ross's story about um, you know connecting with people through food and so uh, should we listen? Yeah. yeah. All let's right. Do it. So Great. here you go. Enjoy Ross's story. Familiar Strangers. And check out his YouTube channel. Ross, Ross the Planure. All right, our first speaker. Ross is all over the place, literally and figuratively. He prides himself on almost never knowing what's going on, but somehow making things work by hoping for the best and just going with the flow. One of his favorite things to do is to travel around the world, meet kind strangers, and turn them into friends while experiencing fun new places and things. In fact, this is, he likes this so much that he created a new YouTube channel to vlog his adventures and encounters as Ross the Flaneur. This is Familiar Strangers by Ross Persig. Thanks. We all want to explore. Whether it's a new place, a new friendship, a new idea, or a new experience, exploration and adventure have been in our DNA ever, even before our ancestors left Africa. In 1992, a young guy named Chris burned his social security card and donated all of his money to charity. He threw away his college degree and hit the road with no plan. The call to adventure was strong with Chris, who later named himself Alexander Supertramp. He wanted to escape, escape the rat race, escape a life that was forced upon him by a society that seemed to only care about who had the best car or biggest house. He traveled all across the U.S., meeting so many different people who ended up sharing their time, food, and homes with him. But he ended up at the other extreme. He died in an empty bus in the middle of nowhere in Alaska, alone and afraid. For some people, Alexander Supertramp is a hero. 
For others, he was just an impulsive kid who didn't know what he was getting into. But I think that everyone who's seen or read Into the Wild, the true story of Chris's adventure can identify with the need to escape and explore. So last August, 28 years after he died, I watched Into the Wild myself. As the credits rolled, the flame of adventure lit up inside me again. I was lucky enough to have traveled and worked in Spain a few years back, and I liked it so much that I decided to stay. But it's funny how quickly we can get used to new things, and there was still so much of the world that I wanted to see. So, after watching the movie, I knew I wanted to go on a journey, but I didn't want to completely close myself off from society. So I did what most people do before they go on a big trip. I created a YouTube channel. So I thought that I could use some of my beginning filmmaking skills and use them to record my experiences firsthand. But what should I name it? That was the question. I thought of how Chris named himself uh, Supertramp, Alexander Supertramp. And Google defines tramp as a person who travels from place to place on foot in search of work or as a beggar. It also means a promiscuous woman, but I, I don't think he was going for that definition. <laughs> So I'm thinking of a name, and I remember this French word that I learned a while back, flaneur, or in Minnesotan, flaneur. <laughs> the, uh, the term originates from the 1800s in Paris. It's like um, a man of leisure, the urban explorer, the connoisseur of the street. It's basically someone who just wanders around and observes society. But J.R.R. Tolkien once said, not all who wander are lost. One French writer wrote that what a flaneur does is the very opposite of doing nothing. This was reassuring, as the only tattoo I ever got says zrupzos, which means do something in Polish. The noun flannery is also defined as the gastronomy of the eye. But my favorite explanation is probably the following quote from Charles Baudelaire, a French poet. To be away from home and yet to feel oneself everywhere at home, to see the world to be at the center of the world, and yet to remain hidden from the world. The flaneur is the lover of life who makes the whole world his family. I love this. So I named my channel Russ de Flaneur. <laughs> Subscribe, yeah. Um, <clears throat> the morning after I watched the movie, I, um, I dusted off my camera and pressed the record button and sat in front of my computer. I found a one-way flight from Italy to where I live and it was 30 bucks, and I, it left in 15 days. So I just bought the ticket within the next 10 minutes and recorded it all. My heart was pounding. I really didn't know what I was getting into because, I mean, I really didn't have any plan for how I was going to get to Italy or where I was going to stay or what I was going to eat. This would stress some people out, but I felt like it was Christmas Day. I was so excited for the days that lay ahead, hoping that I'd meet some nice and friendly people to make the journey worthwhile. Later that evening, I told my girlfriend about the upcoming adventure. She was surprised, to say the least, but she already knew how my crazy mind works and told me that she was happy that I was going to have this unforgettable experience. There's no way I would have had the same enthusiasm about going on this trip without having someone like her who constantly supports and encourages me. So that same night, I packed my things and left for Italy the next morning. The distance from where I was in southern Spain to where my flight left was over 1,200 miles. I'd have to travel through the east coast of Spain, through Barcelona, go through southern France, and eventually end up in Milan, where I'd fly back. At 10 a.m., I decided to book a Blabla car. It's like an Uber between cities. And the driver left in less than an hour, but he told me that he still had seats available. 
And when he picked me up, I found out he was a professional wedding singer. And he used to work as a carpenter, but he always wanted to be a singer. So one day he made the leap and never looked back. So with my camera on, we sang car karaoke for almost the entire two-hour ride. I mean, we sang all the hits, you know. Because all of me loves all of you. And you got, you know, the Ed Sheeran and the, uh, we were just kids. When he sings a lot better than I do, so, I mean. But um, eventually, when the ride was coming to an end, he wanted to sing one more song, My Way, by Frank Sinatra. And he wanted to dedicate it to all the people who feel like they're not living the life they want to live. So... The camera was rolling and we started singing. Regrets, I've had a few. We forgot the words. And he's like, I can't believe I forgot the words. I I sing this all the time. So take two, regrets, and we forgot it again. But eventually we got it to work and, you know, it it was a funny moment and a cool beginning to my journey. And when I got to the east coast of Spain, I checked into a really cool hostel. And a hostel is like a cheap hotel, but you share the room with strangers. So I met two girls from Germany, a girl from Milan, a guy from North Africa. We talked in the dining area, and eventually we all went out to dinner together. The funny thing about meeting solo travelers when you yourself are traveling solo is how everything's so new and exciting, but there's this like universal desire to create some sort of momentary family in a foreign place. And that's exactly what we did when we went from one restaurant to the next, deciding what to eat. When we finally found a restaurant we liked and ordered the food, Everyone shared. I mean, you kind of have to with tapas. There's like little appetizers that are out on the table for everyone. So the guy from North Africa gave some potato wedges to the, one of the girls from Germany, and then she invited an American girl from her hostel to join our group and also try the food. Well, we ended up going out afterwards and dancing at the clubs until 4 a.m. None of us knew each other a day ago, and yet that night we were all one team. And none of this was planned. Everyone was just going with the flow. And as I continued my journey through Barcelona and into France, I met a 76-year-old woman from Canada who was traveling by herself. And she was one of my roommates for the night in the hostel. We ended up talking in the room for three hours. I had so many magical moments like this with people I met along the way. But I did have some moments of loneliness, doubt, second thoughts on whether or not I'd make it to Italy or whether or not it was all going to be worth it. Spoiler alert, I, I made it to Italy. But um, yeah, since then, I've been able to travel and record tons of adventures. My girlfriend and I went to Morocco. We met a Chinese guy at the airport. He ended up hanging out and traveling with us for the next couple of days. And on that same trip, we met a group of local guys at a fast food restaurant. And without even knowing us, they invited us to go with them to this beautiful cafe overlooking the city. And after that, out of gratitude, I treated them all to falafels and we ate together in an American-style diner. And on my most recent trip at a hostel in Budapest, I met a a guy from India, a girl from Chile, a guy from France, and a girl from Argentina, so all over the world. And we all went out to dinner, just like the first time uh, in Valencia, to a hummus bar that the Indian guy recommended. When the food was brought to our table, I lifted up my falafel and I told everyone at the table to add one ingredient to the wrap. French guy threw in a French fry. I'm, I'm not even kidding. It's, they actually did that. Uh, the Chilean girl threw in a couple of veggies, and the girl from Argentina added some more. The guy from India who brought us to the place, he had already eaten, so he just sat back and smiled at us, creating this unique wrap. And then I put the offer out on the table. All right, now everyone's got to take a bite. And they laughed, and I took the first bite and handed it to the French guy. He shrugged and took a bite, passed it along to the Chilean girl who hesitated, but 
then also took a bite. And then finally the girl from Argentina took a bite and we had the waiter take a photo of us all to remember the moment. And it might seem silly, but sitting down for dinner with strangers from all over the world and sharing a bite of one sandwich really creates this sense of trust and belonging. It creates a bond with others who are different than you and it's one of the coolest feelings I've had on my travels. Ever since I made the decision to wander the world and meet so many different people, I'm constantly blown away by how nice people are, most people, and how willing they are to help you out and share things. Even in the random moments where I was lost in some little town, I could always rely on someone to point me in the right direction. Just before he died, Alexander Supertramp wrote these famous words, happiness is only real when shared. That's exactly why I love his story and why I wanted to create my own and share it with all of you. It's not where you go, it's who you meet along the way. Thank you. Pass the Plate Story Show is recorded live January 11th, 2020 at the Marion Ross Performing Arts Center in Albert Lee, Minnesota. The show was produced by Angie Zoller-Barker, Shane Kepke, and me, Jeremy Corey Greenis. To hear more stories, follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our podcast, or check out our webpage at thestoryshow.org. <laughs>